Then put your little hand in mine There ain't no hill or mountain we can't climb Welcome to Groundhog Minute the podcast where we celebrate the 1993 classic Groundhog Day, one repetitive minute at a time. And I am your host, Sean. And I'm your other host, Dave. And joining us again today, we have special guest Josh Horowitz of 5 Minutes of Trouble, 5 Minutes of Bonsai, and 12 Chimes It's Midnight. Welcome back. Hey, how you guys doing? Thanks for having me back. Oh, All right, great. Yeah, you. thanks for coming back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, except uh, we're, we're discussing minute 53 again, is that right? <laughs> Oh my! He says it gotten it yet, Sean. Uh, I've got some. I've got some ice cream over here on the windowsill for. Yeah, him. give him the ice cream. All right, sit on the couch, look at the fire, eat your ice cream. <laughs> no, we've actually asked you back, Josh, to talk about minute fifty-four. Mm-hmm. So, Dave, set the stage for us. Minute fifty-four. Okay. Minute fifty-four. Phil seems to win back Rita a bit with his with the rocky road on the windowsill. Rita says that they should call it a night and see each other tomorrow night. Phil insists tonight, but Rita doesn't want to spoil the evening. And then Phil drops the L word and it hits us and Rita like a sack of bricks. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> oh man, I can't believe how long my summary got here. I got this got really <laughs> awkward. Uh, so uh, long story short, we we now go to Phil almost sounding like a serial killer from your nightmares. <laughs> and she hates fudge yeah yuck so why yeah <laughs> why is she just saying this now like she should have back when they were eating fudge she should have been like hey i don't i don't like fudge mm. but yeah who knows well and it was I, I thought that was weird and i could see like i'm a go along get along kind of guy so um it's not entirely it, it it didn't strike me as entirely crazy that she wouldn't have mentioned that she didn't like fudge back then except she did say that she didn't like white chocolate. Phil mm-hmm. mentions white chocolate, and she says yuck. So it's like, well, you you know, so she, there was one thing she didn't like that she said, yes, I don't like this. But then there was something else that she just went along with for some reason. Unless the universe changed slightly. I don't think she's had good fudge, to be honest with you. Just hasn't had the right fudge? She has. I <laughs> go to the Jersey Shore, you get some great fudge. And they got hundreds of different flavors. So I don't think mm-hmm. she's, I don't think she's really had good fudge yet. Hmm. You don't you don't think Punxsutawney is good fudge? No, no. I think it's yeah. I think something with the Jersey Shore salt water that helps somehow make it or something something mm. along the lines. Yeah, it's it's the water. It's got to be the water. Hmm. Yeah. But, uh, I I have a note about Rocky Road ice cream. If you want to hear that, yes, please. Oh, absolutely. So, so I looked this up. So Rocky Road was supposedly created in March 1929 by William Dreyer of Dreyer's mm-hmm. Ice Cream when he cut up walnuts and marshmallows with his wife's sewing scissors. And he added them to chocolate ice cream, similar to how his partner Joseph Eddy made a candy with similar ingredients. And it was called Rocky Road to give folks something to smile about in the midst of the Great Depression. Because it was a rocky road, see? Because it was wow. a rocky road. And there you go. There's there's your, your ice cream minute. <laughs> <laughs> wow, yeah. I, is... I did not know that. And you learn something I... every day on these podcasts. I, I don't know why he didn't have any other, like, any other cutting utensils in his wife's sewing scissors, but... Is what it is. Yeah, that was a little odd <laughs> reading about that note. It's the little details that make the story like yeah, that. Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's true. What kind of scissors were they? Oh, his wife's <laughs> shears. <laughs> Which I'm I'm sure she's overjoyed about. I, I can only imagine what cutting nuts does 
to a <laughs> pair of uh, sewing shears. Like the next time she goes to hem a dress or something, and like the blades are all nicked up. Mm-hmm. Well, Damn guess... you, Briar! What did you do to my shears this time? Uh, well, well, yeah, because he knew he couldn't smash. He couldn't smash the nuts because then they would just be powdered, and then that wouldn't be as rocky. Right. That would be smooth gravel road. <laughs> So, yeah, he's like, the guy stay chunky. It's got to stay rocky. Yeah, Honey, they're, they're I need rocky. the shears. It's, it's got to be rocky. This is not going to sell. <laughs> but I'm curious that there's a candy, I guess, that had the Rocky Road flavors. I've never heard of that one before. Now, was it a Rocky Road candy or was it just a candy but with similar ingredients? I think it was just a yeah, candy with similar ingredients. And huh. uh, the name for the ice cream came later. Huh. And it's that was from tasty. Mr. Eddie? Uh, yes. The partner, because there's, there's Eddie. Eddie's ice cream as well. Ah. Huh. Curious, it comes yeah. around. Yeah, right, I like we'll Rocky Road. I, I don't know uh, what your guys' uh, favorite flavors are, but that, that, that's always been a winner. That and chocolate malted crunch from Thrifties. Let me think. Um, I guess I, I guess I get very bland. I like I like the vanilla flavor because I mm-hmm. like it's like a canvas that I can kind of like customize how I want. So I'll go like vanilla, and then some days you know I throw the hot fudge on, or I'll go oh vanilla, and then I throw like Reese's Pieces on it. So I get my day. Um, so, yeah, I usually like to have vanilla as the blank canvas that then you can build off of. Yeah, vanilla with peanut butter. Oh, mm. very mm-hmm. good. Yeah, that's that's funny. I was thinking the same thing. We're we're, we're simpatico, you and me, Dave. We're, <laughs> we're on the same wave. Like, yeah, I, I, I'll start off with, yeah, start off with a vanilla and then a peanut butter or a caramel swirl and then a cereal. I'm a big fan of putting the breakfast cereal mm. on ice cream. Uh, Captain Crunch is good. Ah. Um, Life is good or Cocoa Krispies. Life is good. Uh, uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Life is good and, <laughs> and Life Cereal is also good. But yeah, I figure because it's usually cereal and milk and what's what's ice cream? That's I mean, it's right. milk or, or cream, but it's frozen, but it's the same kind of dairy concept. So yeah, yeah I'll put I'll put cereal on top of a, a nice bowl of vanilla. That's sure. interesting. Yeah, usually, you know, if you go to those frozen yogurt places, that's where you find those breakfast cereal toppings. But I never thought about mm-hmm. having that at home. Yeah. yeah. I will try that. <laughs> yeah. And if you go with Rice Krispies, there is enough, I guess, once there's a little bit of melting going on, you get you get the snap, crackle, and pop ah. from, from the ice cream, the same as you would from milk. Mm. So. I learned something, Sean. Thank you. There you go. <laughs> I remember reading somewhere that that, that is the most popular uh, flavor of ice cream like at least among Americans, vanilla, you would think it would be something more interesting, but no, people like the, the old standby. Yeah. Well, does that count? So if you do, I'll also do like a cookies and cream, which is like a base of vanilla and then they crunch up Oreo cookies into it. That's no, I like that. That's probably, that's probably yeah. up there. Yeah. Um, Mostly so, yeah. I, when it comes to like, yeah, when people like ice cream, that is, it's already chock full of stuff. Personally, I get tired of it real fast. Mm-hmm. Like after like three spoonfuls, I'm like I'm done with this. So I think that's what I like. I like vanilla as like this baseline that I don't get tired of that I'm always okay with. And then I add the flavors through the condiments on top, through the fudge, through the strawberries, you know, through you know a chocolate, through peanut butter, whatever it may be. Mm, the condiments. When I hear that, I, I just think <laughs> like ketchup and, and yeah, ketchup and mustard. And it's it's all topics on, baby. They're just condiments. Yeah, it's condiments. Dessert yeah. condiments. It just doesn't sound as as, as fun. <laughs> Dessert condiments. Yes. Um, nobody believes me, but I'm going to tell this story. I was at this place called Cold Stove Creamery, and mm. it was it's a franchise, and I don't know how far this franchise goes, but their bit is that. 
you get the top eggs, and then they have a stone, an ice-cold stone marble block that they chop it up on, and they put in your ice cream. And I, and I, and I said, well, what if you don't want it mixed? And I said, well, what do you mean? I said, what if you just don't want it mixed? And, he said, and my friend's like, I don't get it. And I said, all right. So we go in, and uh, so I say, I want the Snickers bar and Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. And she starts, I'm like, no, no, no. Don't mix them. <laughs> I swear, and I swear to God this happened. She, like, looked at the toppings, looked over her manager, who was kind of, like, on the side, and he was like, all right, we'll take a dollar off. And then she just <laughs> put in the ice cream and just put the toppings on top. So, like, it was a solid uh, Snicker bar and then two solid peanut butter cups just <laughs> with vanilla ice cream. And I said, and I thank you, and I paid it. And no one believed me and said they couldn't replicate that. So it was clearly I did something that Cold Stone Creamery was not ready for. Hmm. Huh. Wow. And, and I said, no, I was like, I was like, I did. I went there and I, cause I told my friends, and they said, I, and they never did that for me. I said, I guess I just, I caught them at the right time where I, uh, I threw them off their game. The cold stone without the cold stone. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's their whole bit. And, uh, I said, no, nah, don't do it. Don't, don't do it. <laughs> You're right. I don't believe it. Yeah, that's fine. We'll just, keep, we'll just, uh, uh, just another story of mine that I can't get through anymore. It's just, it's like Bigfoot and UFOs. You're just like, I told, I swear, I saw it. They didn't mix it. And they took a dollar off. Oh, you're crazy. That reminds Commit me. Commit this a, guy. It reminds me of a time when I was back in high school and we would go to the In and Out Burger, which is a big thing on the West Coast, and we were making a joke that how much could we try to get from the drive-through without actually having to pay for anything? Whoa! So we went up to the window and we asked for condiments and bags and placemats and water, <laughs> <laughs> and they gave it. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> Without ordering anything, Nothing. like anything that you'd actually have to pay for. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So okay. I remember that summer I had like dozens of bags and placemats in my trunk. <laughs> <laughs> so you... That's clearly a teenager. So you're like, oh, we built out of cash. Yeah, but check out all these, <laughs> check out all the accessories we got. I got a hundred child, I got a hundred <laughs> child sized cups. <laughs> I like the manager at that. Uh, Gary, what do they order? I don't see anything on the order. No, sir, they just wanted placemats, napkins, cups. Uh. All, right, all right, all right. Back, so, back to the minute. But the point, all right, the point of the ice cream, the reason it's here is that it kind of, it kind of gives Phil this, like, second wind back into Rita's arms. Mm-hmm. You know, because now she's kind of soft. She's like, ah, oh, she's excited about the ice cream. And then when he's hugging her, she's kind of into it. So it's like she's, you know, I mean, she does like the little soft, like pounding on his chest. Like, oh, I know. So it's like, it's like he's still, like, he's on the edge of still keeping that relationship together where in her mind, she would probably see him tomorrow night and enjoy his company. Mm-hmm. Like we're just, he's like, he got that second one where he, he softened the uncomfortableness that she had in the previous minute. But, um, I, I, it's, it's. I don't know, Sean. What's your what's your take on it? It's like it's it, it's you can't. There's no way you. Is, what I'm saying is, there's no way you can have. You've you've definitely had a successful date, but there's no way even with this ice cream that we could see Phil getting to you know roundabout third base home. Right, right. And this, and I think Rita has a more. Well, she certainly has a different reaction than than Nancy had, mm. and I think it's more realistic. I mean, more in line with with my experience that just her reaction to when Phil says, I love you 
where it's... No, 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 no we're not ready for that. Don't we're bring that up again. No, 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 no. Okay. Not, everything up to that is allowed. I'm okay. not allowing... Because that, okay. that honestly is like, we got to like talk about that. Okay. Well, so, right. do so you we're think, not ready for that yet. No. Do you think that Phil is just emboldened by his experience with Nancy? And so he figures, well, maybe he can do this with Rita too? Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. that's a, that's a, one of the answers, definitely. Yeah, and he's well. He's definitely trying to stretch this out. I get the feeling that he has the feeling, you know, as long as you know Rita leaves, it's over. We know mm-hmm. that. So as long as she's here, whatever he can do, I guess going back to the role that that the ice cream is playing, that it doesn't necessarily you reach a point where it doesn't necessarily need to make sense. It isn't necessarily going in a particular direction. It's just it's keeping Rita from leaving anything that he can do to postpone that then he can kind of try to work his magic try to figure out what what he can say or what he can do but you know as as long as as long as she's there there's still time on the clock once she leaves the game's over mm-hmm. so he's just trying mm-hmm. to you know the intentional foul he's just trying to stretch out the game and keep it going now now here's a question. What is his end game in this case? Is it to break the curse or is it just to have a pleasant night with Rita? I still think it's just pleasant. I don't think he thinks that I don't think he thinks Rita's the key to if I sleep with her the day's over. Hmm. I think he just sees her as another thing on his checklist where it's like he's gone through all the women that he's able to get easily through whether it be escorts or women who he yeah, he drops a marriage line and and he's in. Hmm. I think he sees her as just right now is still like an, an obstacle. Mm-hmm. He sees her as like a chess piece. I got to get this chess piece over here, you know, and that's all he's doing is let me keep removing the board over and over again rather than seeing, you know, rather than thinking, you know, looking at himself. He thinks, oh, well, it's, I need to give her ice cream. I need to give her poetry. I need, that's, that's, that's all it is. It's just He just sees him as playthings. Well, well here's, a, here's another question. How many women do you think in the town has Phil been with? And does that include the person who owns the house, too? 63 <laughs> it's uh i mean i mean i th- i think by the time this movie is over i think phil has met talked if not slept if not at least been in every person's house in this town like i think he's combed <laughs> the entire town he mm-hmm. He he has become the 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 godlike deity of knowing every detail <laughs> in this house. Like he, as from one of our guests, Car- Carolyn brought up, he's pooped in every toilet in this house in this town. <laughs> because he both he literally could. and figuratively. Yes, <laughs> he he's he's done it. Like he's just he knows every detail, every nook and cranny, every secret, every just every person's life. Mm-hmm. And I think he just sees Rita as this one obstacle mm-hmm. that he can't get around yet. Hmm. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean there's a few there's a few different things. There's actually there are some numbers that are mentioned in um in the first version of the script from Danny Rubin and then in uh the revision hmm. uh that he did with Harold Ramis. They don't they don't talk about it in the movie. I think the they're definitely I think they definitely want to give the impression without being too explicit or spending too much time on it. But when we see Phil with that second date that he's going when he's going to the movies and he's dressed up by Clint Eastwood and she's in the maid's outfit Mm -hmm. um, and Nancy walks by um, that the implication is, yeah, he's gone through every sort of every eligible adult woman in Punxsutawney. (laughs) 
before he finally turns his his uh his aim to Rita mm. that it has been it has been a number of women that obviously they they haven't shown us and I think some of that was just just for time we don't need to spend we kind of we got we got the point with Nancy we don't need to see that over and over again right and um yeah, and so that 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 brings up, at least in my mind, a, a, a bunch of different questions. Over, so is this is just this just the next? He's run through he's run through everyone in town that doesn't know him, mm-hmm. and so now he's got to turn. Like this is the big challenge of he can't he can't pretend they went to high school together or any or any yeah. sort of the other tricks that he's played mm-hmm. with the other women because Rita will remember him. From the day before, the the real day before February first. Yeah. So this is different, but um, but I think this is the same thing. Although uh, in the the director's commentary track on the Blu-ray, Harold Ramis has just a um, just a couple comments on this scene, and he thinks, or you know, from his point of view at this point, Phil thinks he's being sincere. That uh. you know that that Phil there is. There is a certain measure of sincerity that Phil thinks he has real attraction for Rita at this point, but it's um, it's sort of it's one of those lies that you you tell it so many times you start believing it yourself that he's been through this cycle of trying to woo this woman um, so many times and for so long that he's 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 delusional. And that there's a part of him that actually believes that this is sincere, but really underneath it's, it's just an act. It's just, it's like climbing a mountain. It's because it's there because he's, he's climbed quote unquote, all the other P you know, all the other mountains in this range, all the other women in this town, that this is the last peak that he hasn't, um, you know, he hasn't climbed yet. And that's why he's going, but he's just doing it because it's there, because it's a thing to do. And that Rita senses that Rita is, um, you know, for whatever reason. And we saw this a little bit before where in the, in the sweet shop where she kind of, she had a sense of deja vu yeah. for whatever reason, she's a little bit more sensitive. And even though she, you know, she doesn't know what's happening, she's not going to say, oh, you're doing this again kind of thing. But she... Um, maybe she's a little bit more intuitive. Maybe it's because she met Phil before the loop started, but she seems to catch on that, like, just something, something's not right here. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, and, and, and before we get to what I said, the, the big part of this minute, you know, when, when you say it's like in her mind, though, I think he still has a chance with her tomorrow night you know next week after they get because you know she's got to look at it from you know she's also looking at it from the perspective that tomorrow they're going to go back to pittsburgh mm-hmm. and she still wants to keep that professional relationship she doesn't want to look like you know oh did you hear about rita she slept with phil first day meeting him you know she doesn't yeah. want this to get around the news is that like she was just some she's just this new producer in and she you know she's like oh she's sleeping with the guy she doesn't want any of that any of this like bad press she, she loves her job and 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 even though she is enjoying phil's time yeah she doesn't want to sleep. and so when she's like you know he when he says that line it's got to be tonight it's like we we know the implication mm-hmm. <laughs> you know it's it's like we know what both of them know what that implication means because it's got to be tonight it's eh, no it, i think it, that his 
thought in maybe saying that is knowing that there is no tomorrow. And so, you know, all this stuff has to happen tonight. But yeah, I mean, when Rita hears that, yeah. you know, she, she thinks it differently. But like, I feel like in any relationship, if you were, if you were seeing, if you, neither of you guys are married, neither of you guys have families, okay? Just pretend you're just good, good old single boys and you were <laughs> dating this woman and, and she like, she was like, you know, into the things that you liked like too much, like almost uncharacteristically, whereas she has studied uh, personal radio and knew everything about, um, you know, old, yeah, old timey radios and other niche <laughs> things that you like to the point where you're like, how did. I never brought this up on any of my, and then, and then you were like, oh, it's cool. Like, yeah, I'll see you, you know, like next week. I guess she's no, it's gotta be tonight. I think even you guys, I think even you guys would be like, something's, something suspicious. You're like, <laughs> I think that's uh, fair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Well, like I, I think said, it all, yeah, I, I think that line from her perspective lends it towards this. Oh, this is just a, um, just because we're out of town, because we're on the road, we're on a business trip, and then, like, this is not real. Like, this mm. is over. It's, you know, you, you meet some. you're on vacation, you're on a cruise or something, you, you're someplace where you know you're only going to be there for a short amount of time. So, you're like, oh, I can I can cut loose and I can go crazy and do things um, maybe I ordinarily wouldn't do. And when I get home, no one's going to know. Because it was, you know, it was a foreign country or it was a different place. Yeah. Now this is only, this is only like eighty miles from Pittsburgh. But when he says, "Oh, it's got to be tonight," it's so I could see her reaction being, "Oh, so this isn't, this isn't real. We're not building a relationship. This is just, oh, we're on the road and we're not, you know, we're away from our families and everything else. So let's cut cut crazy. And then tomorrow we're back in Pittsburgh and we pretend it didn't happen. Yeah. Um. I want to I, I want to bring this up because we have you know why because we haven't talked about him in a long time. Do you think Sean because of their talk yesterday that we didn't get to see because Phil went to the bed and breakfast? Do you think at any point there could have been a chance where her and Larry might have not like fully hooked up, but they would have <laughs> had a nice a night a nice dinner hmm. and after dinner discussion? You know, because I said I'm a defender of Larry. So far in this film, he is just a blue collar guy doing his job, you know. Mm-hmm. And him and him and Rita have been on the same wavelength when they saw Phil acting weird, you know. So, and I said like we never saw it, but you know, her and Larry are gonna get dinner. Phil's like, no, I don't want to be with you guys. I don't want to see you guys. I don't want to see Larry eat. But <laughs> and that's what that's his reason. And I'm like, eh, I mean, Sean don't think Larry actually eats like a pig, but you know, to Phil, everyone is a pig. Um. But I don't know. I, I still always like to think about like maybe, maybe like maybe that's another thing. Phil doesn't like maybe maybe he saw he did he maybe he spied on Rita one time and he saw her and Larry just having a nice dinner discussion talking about the groundhog and then talk about how Phil was being a butthead the other night and he's like he's, he got even more jealous because like oh she's gonna spend time with him not with me I'm the maybe, best thing maybe Larry knows French poetry or maybe she just likes Larry because he's honest you know. Yeah. Huh. Larry's is not. Larry's not trying to like be some cheesy guy's wooing her. Maybe he's like talking about. She's talking about the time when she said, "Hey, tell me about the when you went to um, what was it? The the birds, the Capa San Juan Capistrano, and the Capistrano, the, the swallows returning. Yeah, yeah. And so maybe they're they're sharing stories about yeah you know, where they went and filmed some crazy thing or. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, and they had an honest conversation. He's not trying to just uh yeah woo her with um 
oh, I heard you like this. Let me over extend myself in that in into your interests. Hmm. Right. Well, and so speaking of overextending, hmm. oh, I think it's, I think it's time to okay. to talk about <laughs> yeah. Those those three words. Yeah. Oh boy. That while, Phil while, says. While, <laughs> but while while Phil it seems like he's almost trying to unclasp her bra between like her vest and her shirt, the amount of like grabbing in her back he's doing. Mm. It's like it's like really like gnawing almost what he's doing while she's trying to um, you know, get out of his reach. But yes, okay, let's 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 all acknowledge the moment of silence that kind of like it hits you when he says that line because mm-hmm. you see it from Rita's perspective now you really see it from her perspective where it's just like you don't know her what are you doing mm-hmm. yeah and this I think this is a more natural reaction than we saw from Nancy who who was like instantly wooed and I mean she was already kind of into Phil we could see but that just seems strange like so. You know, even if you've been convinced that you went to high school with this man, high school must have been years ago, over a decade. You haven't seen, there's been no communication since. He comes out of nowhere and just says, oh, I've always loved you. It's like, well, you don't, you don't know me. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I love you because I don't know you. And that's, that's the reaction that Rita has. We just, we just met yesterday. Um, which we, you know, we know that's been a very long time for Phil, but from Rita's perspective, it's exactly what she says. Yeah. You, you don't know me. I don't know you. You know, I think it would have been not that I, not that I think he would have been successful and that she would have gone along with it, but she would have been less creeped out if he just, if he was, if he just said, Hey, we're, we're on the road together. We're out of town. Let's get nuts. And, you know, let's make a mistake together. Let's, let's get crazy. You know, you want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. Yeah. I, I think she'd be more responsive. I think you'd have a better shot than saying, hey, I, you know, I know we just met, but for some reason, I already love you. Though the interesting thing is, I, I feel that Phil is actually speaking a little bit from honesty, because he has been around her for so many repetitions that he, he does truly feel like he loves her and knows her. It's just that it's the wrong way of saying it to somebody who only knows you for a day. Mm-hmm. It's like what a, a stalker would say that they love a celebrity. It's like, mm. no, you just study everything about them, and you think that's if it's a checklist that you know everything about them that it's it's love. Hmm. Now, now I have an interesting observation here. I I just remember reading uh, books from maybe like the turn of the century or even the nineteenth century, and at that time it seemed like it was perfectly acceptable for men, even on first dates, to say express their love to literally say I love you. And it wouldn't freak the woman out. That was kind of like considered the words to say when you were wooing somebody. At what point, at least in America, do you think that that changed? When did it become unacceptable or creepy to tell somebody I love them when, you know, you know, I guess you truly didn't mean it and all the things that was associated with it? I, I guess after what we would consider hmm. like the atomic family timeline, like, hmm. Cause, so like um, after the 40s, maybe. Yeah, it's like you get the 40s and 50s where it's like, ah, oh, we've come back from the war. You found your girl. You love her because you, <laughs> you were fighting Jerry over there. Or you're, you're fighting, yeah, you're fighting the, the Japs. And now you're back. And now you're going to get your woman. And you're going to buy that house. And you're going to have the four kids. It's And you buy that G- General Electric fridge. <laughs> that can stop a nuclear attack. Yeah, it's got to stop. No! <laughs> S- somewhere... No. 
somewhere Tom Taylor oh. just had like a mini heart attack. He doesn't know why. He's like, oh, what was that? What was that? It's like a voodoo doll. Like yeah. A, yeah. a needle going into his heart. Oh. Yeah. And, and like it Pete's hands shaking. <laughs> yeah. But that is, that is a really interesting point. Thank you for bringing that up. Because I I think this is a a, a relatively recent concept because hmm. the idea that you know kind of the, the, what what we think of as as the current state of marriage that you meet someone and you pick someone out like this is my this is someone that I can spend time with and I should build a family and a life with and I love this person is really really recent because you know in in its origins, marriage was a, a, a property transaction. It was, mm. uh, you know, a woman being transferred from belonging under her father to now under her husband. Right, the whole dowry um, thing, right? Yeah, yeah. And you would, or, you know, marriage was something and uh, uh, something for alliances, for joining families, for mm. uh, certainly people in power and, and monarchs and rulers would would arrange for their children to marry as as a way of sealing alliances between between clans and between cities and between countries um and and certainly there's a long history of arranged marriages again as a sort of a a business transaction between families Mm -hmm. so yeah this idea of and it kind of and and it makes sense um i guess maybe to to express that feeling of love or that sentiment of love a little bit sooner when it's when it's saying something else i think mm-hmm. nowadays yeah i guess that is kind of a, a um a luxury item mm-hmm. of kind of modern culture and, and modern economics to say well i'm gonna i'm gonna get wait to get to know someone to yeah. decide whether or not i love them or see of that feeling of love kind of arises versus well you know we haven't invented vaccines yet so who knows how long you're going to be around and um you know no one else is gonna work the farm for Mm. you know for for basically no pay just for food on the table and a roof over their head so you better get to making some some kids and uh yeah if if love's what it's what it takes uh get to it because you don't have much time um i'm yeah so i guess it would be maybe sometime after what's considered that the whole love revolution where it's just like the word love kind of gotten it got i guess more things attached to it where it was like it was a love and a peace and it was people getting together for you know reasons whether it be a protest against a war mm-hmm. or rallying <laughs> against for a cause um, you know, the word, I think, I feel like, you know, watching, you know, they talk about documentaries and stuff. And then you get into the eighties and the nineties and it starts turning into the technology to reach out to other people was get, was, was opened where, you know, here, here we are now, we're all in different States right now, but we're talking instantly to each other. You mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. this idea where it was like the people in your town, that girl you sat behind in math class that's not the only person that you'll meet now that you can have a connection with. You can have a connection with someone else. So I think that's what it is. You, you, you're like, well, I like this one girl in my town, but I don't know. I was talking with this other girl, and we have the same hits, and I don't know. I think I feel something, a real connection with her. 
Hmm. And then well, I think the online the, dates, yikes. I, I think that the, the definition of love has come to turn into uh, commitment. And, and that's the thing. It's like you can't really proclaim, uh, you know, being able to have that commitment so early. That's why it's always so much easier to just tell a girl that, oh, you know, I, I really like you. And it can almost like express some of the same things that you would say if you love her, but you don't have that commitment there. And so that's mm. considered more acceptable. Mm. And I don't want, and I don't want to step on this because I'm single, and you guys, you guys have actual families. But maybe something with the divorce rates, like you got these nine, you got nine. What's it called? Non. What's not a uh, fault? Non-fault divorce, hmm. where it's like, hey, this didn't really work out, and then you break up, and it's like slightly less big of a problem. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of yeah, the way marriage and relationships have changed, where. It's kind of this, like, ah, it didn't work out, and eh, we did love each other, but eh, now we're just, like, maybe we're just passing friends now. Hmm. Yeah. So, I wonder, so, kind of tying those those two things together, the idea of commitment as a, an element of love, and our modern Western mores that uh, hold us to our vows a little less closely, and, and divorce makes divorce... Um, and other separations easier Mm. does is is love possible without commitment and to relay that specifically to the movie in this minute can phil love rita because he knows he knows there's no commitment he and and not just in the sense of a one-night stand this is like the extreme one-night stand that Uh everything's going to be reset tomorrow rita's going to remember none of this and you know things are going to go back to the way they were. The the morning before this happens, he's going to be back that morning after. So there really is there's no chance of commitment here. Hmm. Does that mean that Phil cannot love Rita? That's a good question. <laughs> he can't. Well, I mean, he can't. I mean, I don't know. That's this is been if it's minute fifty five talk. I'm not going to mention that yet. Okay. Because there's more right. talk about. I I want to answer that, but I I want to hold that to fifty five. But um, it's it's uh, the long story short of it is that we're I think we're all glad that Rita didn't sleep with Phil here, you know, hmm. that hmm. if yeah. she did, he might have not seen her as anything more than just some plaything in this repeating day purgatory he's in. Hmm. And then he might have just moved on to something else where he's like, oh, I accomplished it. I slept with Rita. Okay, I did it. And then he would go on to do some other hijinks around town. Yeah. You know, uh, the fact that she really hammers this home that, you know, you don't know me and I don't know you and this is wrong. We're, hopefully we'll get to this a, a part where Phil will like really get to turn it. Look in the mirror. He'll look at the man in the mirror and he'll know. Does Do I love that man in the mirror? Hmm. Yeah, that's a good point, Dave. I agree. <laughs> And she hates fudge. <laughs> she, hates right. fudge. she hates fudge. Do you, yes. do you like how the music gets sinister right after yes! he says those lines? <laughs> I've already screen capped forty se- uh, minute second forty eight. We're gonna use this as the as the screenshot for the episode. Nice that close up <laughs> of him necking her, and she has this wide eyed stare of just what. And yeah, that, yeah, that, that 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 serial killer music. Like, I mean, you could you could you could cut the trailer and you could use a clip of that music right here. Where, you know, it's the perfect day 
groundhog. <laughs> and, and just be like, oh, such a nice day with you, Phil. I love you. But she doesn't even know him. <laughs> Is that more George Fenton music right there? <laughs> <laughs> it's just yeah, yeah. Oh, it, it would turn to that like a the 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 john williams dun, dun, it would just turn to that <laughs> shark music <laughs> or or we just go with that we go with the john carpenter 80 yeah. <laughs> she can't escape the day <laughs> all right well it sounds like we've we've got a few things uh that we can we can tee up for the next minute but mm-hmm. Uh, so Josh, anything else on minute 54? No, all good here. All right. I'm not even going to ask you, Dave, cause <laughs> just stow it, save it for tomorrow. Stow it, pack it up tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Just take it, put it in your backpack, take it wherever you got to go. <laughs> all right. So, well, once again, Josh, so for our listeners that would like to hear more of your, uh, your wonderful voice, where can they, where can they find you? No, well, they can find me and my co-host Brett Stillo on five minutes of bonsai.com where we discuss the adventures of Buckaroo Bonsai across the eighth dimension, five minutes at a time. Or you can find us on five minutes of trouble.com. That's where we discuss big trouble in little China, five minutes of time. Mm-hmm. And finally 12 chimes. It's midnight. Our old time radio podcast. You can find that at 12 chimes radio.com. Yeah, and those are all great, particularly the uh, the five minutes of Bonsai. Oh, I like um, that. I mean, that's just a, a wonderfully wacky movie, uh, Buckaroo Bonsai across the eighth dimension, mm-hmm. and uh, and you just bite that thing off in five minute chunks mm-hmm. and and chew it up and spit it out. And it's wonderful. <laughs> the way it's meant to be viewed. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a great film. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, well, thanks again for for joining us, yeah, uh, and thank you, listeners, for tuning in. And please, everyone, everyone here and at home around the world, come back tomorrow if there is one. I hate fudge. I don't know. I, I like fudge. No, I, I love it. I'm just I'm doing a refresher. <laughs> I just I want that on record. I love fudge. Let them say your hair's too long. I don't care. You, I care.